Hello, I'm Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where I talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Alex Baswitz. Alex is a 28-year-old fourth-year medical student, future psychiatrist, and dancer. I rotated through consult liaison psychiatry with her, and we both grappled with a difficult case. You can find my wording of this case in On Jim. This was published on October 8th, 2017. You can find it in your newsfeed, whatever. During this conversation, we discuss her Polish heritage, her love of pole, and her restorative Sunday practices. Hope you enjoy. Before we talk more about Alex, we're going to talk a little bit about my long-form Sunday's posts. These are the reflective posts of my medical school experiences from the first anatomy lab to my third rotation of third year. And uh, that, you know, the sort of the same thing that I talk about, Jim, the difficult psychiatry case. Uh, You can find all of these posts in the written form at mnmwa.com. That's mobility and mindfulness work of the day. M-N-M-W-O-D.com. On November 26th, 2017, I published On Existential Crises and Canine Companions or Neuropsych A Postmortem. This week, I reflect on the end of the neuropsych rotation, a visit for my brother, an afternoon nap with two little dogs, and a pre-test existential crisis. The long weekend provided both a much-needed break and a chance to reevaluate some previous decisions. Don't have any major life changes to report yet. That may change as 2017 draws to a close. Then, this past Sunday, I published on parental practice or and burnout measures or the beginning of women's health and pediatrics. I published this on December 3rd, 2017, and this week I reflected on pregnancy, pediatrics, and parental practice. OB-GYN has started and have already seen more than I expected. Pediatrics has me interacting with lots of sniffly children, I feel like this is a crash course in parent prep. Additionally, I start to measure my well-being because burnout sucks and I'm starting to feel the burn. Anyway, back to Alex. Alex is a dancer, a female, and a writer. Before Alex dies, she wants to open up to new experiences and people to take her partner hiking and camping many, many times and to get to know her family members more. When Alex dies, she wants to feel at peace. After Alex dies, she wants people who love her to feel peace and to become one with everything. In conclusion, Alex says, stop and think about your life. The question for me was, what moment in time were you in a flow state? Where did you not think about time? Whatever that thing was, make sure you hold on to it because that is a true, honest expression of who you are, and no one else can replicate that. So Alex is a a lovely human. Uh, I didn't really get to know her until I rotated up, uh, until we moved up to here, to Pennsylvania, from Tampa. Uh, But it's been a great time. Uh, We've, as I mentioned, we've rotated through Consult Psych together, and we've uh, seen a difficult case together, and it was really interesting. She She sent me her her perspective on the case and, and, you know, our, I think our thoughts and feelings on, on, uh, quote, Jim align pretty well. 
and it's, it's pretty, pretty cool just to also meet somebody else who's going into psychiatry, who's going to be in the next wave of psychiatrists. Uh, she is a very soft-spoken um, human, and she's pretty cool. And uh, we, I've got a chance to know her better over the past um, past few months. Uh, but this was the first time that we've had a chance to really sit down and talk. And uh, it was really cool understanding how, you know, her Polish heritage, uh, her love of dance, and uh, how she's got into pole or pole dancing, uh, something that my sister participates in and she teaches. And, uh, you know, seeing somebody who's just entering that practice is pretty cool. And, and she seems to like, and, and Alex seems to like it for the same reasons that my sister likes uh, pole. It's a very, uh, it's a very cool dan- way to move your body. And uh, we also talk about her love of writing, uh, how she writes, the, the, the way she separates, the way she journals every other day, and the way that she has her journal separated by topic uh, spatially. So that, you know, she has one journal on her, on her health struggles, another journal on, um, on her life. It's just really, really cool. So you'll, you'll, you'll like this conversation, and I hope that you don't mind me rambling too much. It's uh, early on a Thursday morning. And uh, I'm ready to drink my coffee. I hope that you're ready to drink your tea, your hot water, your your chamomile. I don't know. I hope that you're ready for this lovely conversation on death uh, with Alex Basowitz. Uh, it is December 2nd, 2017. I'm sitting here in my Coopersburg home with Alex Basowitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Uh, Alex, what are the four prompts? So I am, uh, before I die, I want. Um, when I die, I want. And after I die, I want. Excellent. And how do you finish that first prompt, I am? Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is I am a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably uh, in no particular order, woman uh and a writer mm-hmm. maybe a wannabe writer um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think those are kind of the top ones that come to mind okay uh what uh does it mean to be a dancer for you because i we just talked a little bit about your history in ballet and so mm-hmm. like let's let's dig into that um i mean i guess i feel like you know with this transition that's coming up of me coming into residency and like choosing a specialty it's definitely a time of self-exploration. Um, and so I think that in the past few months, I've really been trying to key in on, like, what I love doing. You know, when are those times that I'm truly, like, in those flow states where you lose mm-hmm. all sense of time? And honestly, looking back at, like, my life, um, the most prominent, you know, kind of time when I lost all all sense of time was when I was dancing. Um, when I danced in high school, essentially I got to be dancing at least like five days a week. And then once, you know, the seasons came around for different performances in um, December and then also in the spring, I'd be at at the studio, you know, seven days a week, uh, Mm -hmm. eating like breakfast there, eating lunch there, sometimes dinner (laughs) there. And it didn't bother me at all. I mean, I, like, I loved just doing it. Um, and I just feel like it's a, a very important part of my identity to express myself through my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like sometimes growing up I could I was a very theoretical person like reading lots of books and like writing and you know I, I love to get you know into the, all these stories and and whatever else but that's all like theory and it only happens in your head mm-hmm. and I feel like also acting on your energy and like the body that you're given is also a very important part of living mm-hmm. like actually like uh celebrating it almost and it's a uh, like uh how like what kind of like what kind of 
dance do you do now? Uh, like what, uh, what is your relationship to dance? Cause I also, it's like going from the super structured, like ballet type, it's mm-hmm. a, such an interesting thing to then transition from that into something else. It's sort of like having a classical piano background and then going into like, uh, electronic music production, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But it's like, it's, it's a good foundation. Like, what does it feel like now? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, like, I'm a pretty, like, disciplined, I I do, like, you know, very disciplined, uh, traditional kind of types of dance, which is, I think, why ballet drew me in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, But I uh, started to pick up pole dancing the past few months, uh, just because I, I mean, I had, it's kind of, like, one of the newest, like, things, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a friend who actually does it in Florida, and she's amazingly talented, and I think also watching her kind of inspired me, um, because I could just see how much of the dance was like it involves you know strength and also I feel like it's uh really you know challenging stereotypes it's very empowering Mm -hmm. um it it involves lots of like flexibility and like kind of like contortion as well if if you want it to um so yeah I don't know I think it's just I wanted to also move away from ballet because I wanted to you know just explore something different and see how I would fare with like a different type of dance Mm -hmm. um so aside from pole dance yeah I also think Ariel Hooper Lyra is another a favorite that I've started recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, I kind of just wanted to do something different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, and do you like, does, uh, do people say like, Oh, you bring like a different kind of movement to it. Cause you know, like if a, uh, somebody who does like weightlifting, like the, cl- uh, the cleans in the snatch and the jerk, mm-hmm. like the, that kind of person then going into like parkour is going to move very differently than like a, like a um, like a hip hop dancer going into parkour, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, that, that's funny. I'm actually like known as like the ballet dancer at the studio because I think they saw I have a very you know when I come in and warm up, like I almost do actually like a ballet warm up, like I'll do plies holding onto the pole mm-hmm. and and things like that. So immediately they're like, oh, like were you a dancer before? Um, and so I think the way I move is definitely like, very soft, and and that's been funny to have to transition into pole where you know I, I bought my first set of heels a few months ago and trying to wear six and a half inch heels like while <laughs> dancing in the pole like everything is actually is very like strong sensual like you want to you know hit your heels against the ground and things like that so the teachers would always like reprimand me for like uh, kind of like going down very softly and just you know tapping like mm-hmm. the floor with my heels and like no Alex like stamp your feet <laughs> and so I think it's just like quite a change to go from mm-hmm. something that's very soft to a little bit more of like an intense art form yeah and uh it's such an interesting difference of like how do you like it's still just a human moving uh you like you know to music but it's like how does that human move to music in uh in like point shoes versus how does that human work, uh move when they have uh, a hoop suspended in the air and like it's just it's just like it's it's still like limitless in the possibilities of the movement but it's very interesting to restrict it to like mm-hmm. surrounding like a pole that pivots around Right. Yeah. And and that's definitely like a challenge, too. I think, you know, with ballet, you work with a partner when Mm -hmm. you get, you know, into kind of like the more um, difficult roles, like with a male partner and whatnot. And so that was always a challenge because, you know, you have to like work with someone else's body and like, Mm -hmm. know, you Mm -hmm. know, where their hands are going to be and things like that. And so with like the pole, like it's still something I'm just trying to like orient myself in space to like what I look like when I'm upside down, like how exactly do I hang my feet? So it's just kind of weird to work with like another thing, like a pole or whether it's mm-hmm. a hoop or something, like it's a little bit disorienting, you know? So <laughs> it definitely, you have to like kind of think about it in your head a little bit before you do tricks or anything like that. Absolutely. And uh, what uh, what does it mean to be a female? 
Um, I guess that comes to mind because I feel like a lot of my struggles, like, throughout my life, not even, like, struggles, but I guess just, like, the exploration of my identity has come through being a woman. So, like, growing up with an older brother, I always, you know, wanted to be just like him, and Mm -hmm. I wanted to be, like, rough, and I wanted, you know, to play all the sports he did. I wanted to be... um, like roughhousing and all that stuff and and I always got really bitter when, when my mom would be like oh no like don't do that you're too delicate mm-hmm. and so like I would always do everything to prove that like no like I'm not delicate don't call me that and mm-hmm. I get, would get really agitated um so I think in a funny way like whenever I do anything that's like risky or you know like I just remember when I was an undergrad I would kind of just like take these like trips and I'd be like oh mom by the way like I'm gonna go to Jamaica next week um and backpack around the island like all right see ya and so I would try to do these risky things almost in a sense to like kind of put it in their face like no like you can't tell me that I can't do certain things or that I'm too delicate or too subtle Mm -hmm. um and so I feel like you know having grown up in a pretty pretty like traditional Polish household like it was um not to say that my parents are like very conservative or anything Mm because I do think that they've been like liberalized by being in the states um but I just do, do think like from growing up there was a pretty set, like, just different thoughts about, like, what women did versus what men did, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very interesting, uh, like, we're, we're of uh, a generation that is sort of, I think, going to be one of the, like, towards the end of, like, that, that idea, like, oh, you need to be really soft, you need to be really soft-spoken mm-hmm. in that kind of way, um, or at least it's, like, it's, we're starting to change towards direction, um, I hope, and, um, it's really interesting to see to hear that and to to sort of see how like you reacted so strongly against yeah, it, you know yeah. it's like the pendulum swinging the the entirely other mm-hmm. way yeah and and just kind of funny because I feel like it's a constant battle of like um you know still trying to be feminine while not having to wear skirts or dresses all the time like mm-hmm. you know I I just think that in society we have these very specific like roles that we want women to take on or we want men to take on. Um, and I mean, certainly I don't know the pressures that exist for men. Like I haven't obviously experienced that, but, um, I mean, for women, I do think that there's a certain pressure to like look a certain way or Mm -hmm. to dress a certain way. And like, I think that I like, I mean, try to think about those stereotypes and almost like try to rebel against them because I'm just like, oh gosh, like that, (laughs) you know, I don't want to be fit into like a, and put into a category, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, how has your relationship changed? Like, uh, are you still kind of like bucking it now, or are you um, keeping? Are you, or do you do you have a different relationship to your uh, femaleness now? Um, yeah, no, I think it's a little bit different. I definitely like think I used to want to almost like combat my femininity, and like mm-hmm. I feel like now, especially actually with the pole dancing too, like it's a very sensual kind of dance as well, and it feels very empowering and like I I feel very okay with like yeah with being sensual and kind of like feeling like a woman Mm -hmm. um and so yeah if anything like I feel like I've like learned to incorporate it as part of me as opposed to like seeing it as something opposite um you know what I mean I feel like I can you Mm -hmm. can take even if you believe something is like a stereotype that you don't like I still think that if you can incorporate, like, parts of, um, you know, being a woman that you like into your own being if if they work for you. Mm, Yeah, there, like, I have uh, that, I had that kind of relationship with my, uh, with my, like, Korean ethnicity 
growing up. Like I rejected it. Like I didn't really address it in my, in my own head for a very long time. And then when I graduated from college, that's when I started to sort of like kind of do the work and like sort of figure out like, what does it mean to be a Korean dude? Mm -hmm. And uh, I sort of saw the benefits and the drawbacks of it all. Um, and it sounds like sort of similar to like your relationship with it now and like my relationship with my Korean heritage now is like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like it's, yeah. like, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a mm -hmm. sweet, it's a sweet like thing to have, uh, it with its own, you know, drawbacks and, and advantages as well. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, did you have a, uh, religious or spiritual upbringing to your childhood? Um, so my parents are both, uh, yeah, I guess I was raised Polish Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, and so definitely very traditional. Like I grew up, you know, going to church every Sunday, even though I fell asleep for most of the sermons, <laughs> um, and, you know, having my communion, having confirmation when I was in high school and all that and going to Sunday school on the weekends, of course. Um, and uh, there are definitely parts of Catholicism I like, but I almost think that I like them because they're very nostalgic for me. Mm -hmm. um, whenever I would go home, or I guess go back to Poland to visit like my extended family, it's it was you know always a big thing that we always went to church every Sunday, and um, the churches there are obviously like you know old, they're elaborate, like mm -hmm. they're um, just they feel holy inside because I feel like there's just kind of a different approach to religion. Um, perhaps, you know, there than there is here. Mm -hmm. um, like there, like every, you know, even if you're like 90 years old and you came in with a walker, like you're still probably going to be kneeling during mass. Like it's just kind of a little bit like very um, self-sacrificing. Just, you know, you can, you kind of see like that utmost like respect for what people believe to be like a higher power. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think I, I, I like that feeling of like sacredness or something holy. Um, but I can't say like I identify with really any, uh, Catholicism, like with any Catholic beliefs now. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I definitely do think that there's something larger. Um, I feel like the world's religions have like a thread within them of a certain truth, like a divine truth. Mm -hmm. And I guess I've always believed that, you know, all it's kind of like that metaphor with like a, a, each religion might be a different spoke, but the, they all come to one center Mm -hmm. um and i guess yeah i definitely mm -hmm. like believe that there's something greater yeah mm -hmm. yeah that the there's something different about like an a, an old place where uh worship has happened continuously mm -hmm. since it's since it was built it's like and especially like those stone like there's just something about like stone buildings that it's just like this is different than like a modern you know large church that was built with like lots of drywall it's just like a different it's just mm -hmm. got a whole totally different feel to it and it's hard to explain until you've been in a bunch of places like that. Like, yeah. I, I visited Egypt, and I visited a lot of old mosques, and I was like, this is crazy. Like, mm -hmm. this is, there's some, it's just, like, a different place. And, um, you know, part of it is this, the grandeur and the scale of it, uh, but also it's just like, oh, yeah, there's, there's just, like, a lot of, like, history in, these, mm -hmm. in this place. It's, yeah. You know. It just has a different feeling to it. Like, not, you know, when I don't think... Like, granted, there are many aspects of, like, the Catholic religion that I don't like, and mm -hmm. that's actually kind of why I stopped going, like, during undergraduate. I think I, I was, like, home for a stretch of weeks at my parents' house, and we ended up going to, like, Mass together one Sunday, and I, I just really didn't like the um, the sermon, and, like, I at that point, I decided, like, with my presence, I was affirming that what, you know, what the church thought and was doing was okay. And I didn't want to support it if I didn't believe like the words they were saying during mass. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was like a little bit of like an anti LGBT type, um, you know, feel to the sermon. And like that really threw me off, uh, especially having close friends who identify differently. Um, and 
uh, but at the same time, like I, I, there are many parts of religion that I don't agree with, but I think there's like an underlying spirituality and like, you know, a belief in something higher. And like, I think that in, in and of itself is kind of holy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a, like the whole phrase of like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. It's like, it, I understand it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just so tough. It's like, can't, it's like, can, can't you just be both, but like not, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very, it's a very tough thing. Uh, like the, this, the, you know, it, once you've had enough weird stuff happen to you, you kind of like, okay, there's something weird going on. Right. Uh, but then there's a, it, that, but then like trying to describe it as a whole different ball game and utilizing the tools that are available through mo- most modern religions is it's tough. It's mm-hmm. like, it can be really tough and almost limiting in that you're, you have to accept a lot of like, um, like uh rules in that way and so i don't i don't know uh i understand where you're coming from That's yeah really what i'm trying mm-hmm. to say <laughs> yeah. um so you're a uh a dancer a female and then a third thing that i forgot a writer a writer wannabe writer yeah let's talk about why why a writer and why a wannabe writer <laughs> well i guess i feel like you know people write like as a profession or something and so i i feel like a little bit cheap um, maybe taking on like the title of something that people work at every single day and, you know, like really do for like a living or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, I've been writing like for myself at least ever since I was about probably like six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a few years ago I found like the first diary I ever had. It was like this one with a seahorse on it from the Florida Aquarium, <laughs> um, hot pink. And like the first journal entry was about me going to the gas station. Um, so that was riveting. Um, and so growing up, I guess, like I always like love to read and write. Um, and I feel like I've kind of rediscovered it recently, like going back to what I mentioned at the beginning, the past few months kind of being, um, this transition point where I had to decide what specialty I was going into and like really feel like what really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like writing kind of helped me do that and writing for me at least like allows me to process experiences and to kind of step back and you know, it's for me, it's not enough to just like think about something that happened. Sometimes it helps to articulate it in words for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How uh, how did the process of writing help you land on uh, psychiatry? Uh, I think that um, for a long time, I felt like I was interested in psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt because I mean, I know this sounds silly, but I guess because of perhaps the stigma around psychiatry, like both the providers and the patients, Mm -hmm. I was almost like, and you know, with, there was some pushback as well from like, um, family and whatnot, kind of like, Oh, you're going to be a psychiatrist or like, Oh, you'd really make a great internist. Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. things like that, you know, that I know that they meant well, but I felt like I really had to step back and be like, what, who am I? Like, what do I want to do with my time? Mm -hmm. Um, and not that I necessarily, like, wrote so much about the process of choosing psychiatry, but I feel like writing and getting back to writing more consistently, like, is also, like, a true expression of my true self. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I, I don't know, as soon as I chose psychiatry, like, it also, like, it just felt, like, right. The same as, like, when I, when I physically, like, write, when I dance, like, it just feels like it resonates with me. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I knew it was the thing for me. Yeah, yeah like, the... Um, the writing is an expression of the mind and the dancing is like an expression of your body. Yeah. It's like between mm-hmm. those two things, you can do a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's uh, uh, infinite variability. Uh, what uh, what have you written about most recently? Um, I have had like kind of health struggles for the past like year and a half or so. 
And so um, I wrote about them, like, for myself for the past year and a half, just kind of jotting down journal entries, like, with my frustration and Mm -hmm. um, because, like, I don't have a diagnosis or anything. I just kind of been having, like, nebulous symptoms and whatnot. And so most recently I've been kind of trying to um, kind of write about my experiences, like, navigating uh, the healthcare system as a patient. Mm-hmm. Um, from the perspective of a, a student who, you know, actually knows the system too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of just really trying to be consistent with that. I mean, I started, I wrote my first like story about it, um, back in like early October. And I think when I wrote the story, it was for like a narrative medicine course. And by writing it, I was kind of like, wow, like I have a lot to say about me, like not feeling well and like me going through this whole process. And I didn't like realize like how angsty and how difficult mm-hmm. of a time it had been for me until I wrote it. And so I'm just, I'm hoping that I can, you know, continue to write about it and um, whatever comes of, you know, diagnosis or not, it doesn't really matter. I still had the experience of going through something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I hope to eventually, one day, fingers crossed, maybe like publish it or something. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be a bit. It's like the five to seven year plans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there are two things that pop up for me. Uh, one is like the like the the process of writing is especially if you you actually like do it it's like a like regularly it's a it's a process of like um there there are there's a difference between like writing and just like kind of getting words out and there's a difference between that and like really something needs to get out of you mm-hmm. like there's and then once you get it out you're like oh wow that's a whole different I feel different I I feel I reflect differently on the whole experience as a result of just like putting it into a linear progression mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it is, it, there, there are like, you know, there are like patient interactions that I'll have where I'm like, oh, that was really weird. Um, but then I'll kind of like, oh, whatever. Uh, but then there are others that kind of stick with you for a mm-hmm. while. And so, um, so that process like, you know, like it's, that's sort of like to me, like the barometer is like, do I need to get this out or do I like just want to tell a story, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and it sounds like you're hitting on some things where you even need to get some stuff out. Yeah. You know? But it was, you know, I thought it was funny though, because I felt like I was like forced to write through this narrative medicine course, which is why I took it because I like, I really wanted to be forced to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost didn't like, I, she, she was like, Oh, well just, you know, write something about yourself or like any personal experiences you might've had just like as an intro, mm-hmm. you know, to the first like week of this course. And I just like sat down and I started writing and I was like, wow, I have a lot to say. And like, it's funny how, you know, I think that sometimes like I, maybe I just tend to be a little bit of a, I don't know, kind of um, person who like flits from one thing to the next. And I mm. kind of needed that structure and like that or, you know, goal oriented mindset to be like, hey, Alex, by the end of this week, like you need to write something about yourself. <laughs> um, so it's actually really helpful to have like kind of that external input. Um, and I guess that surprised me so much that now I'm trying to set those goals goals for myself. Right. And, you know, to have that mindset that like I really should be putting something out every week or every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That schedule is, it sucks, but it's yeah. so good for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, like it'll, it will get you going in the, in that way. And, oh, and the second thing that I was thinking about is it's such an interesting, uh, like it can be very easy as, especially as a student to think that medicine knows like a lot. And it's like, especially when you're, when you have like nebulous symptoms, like you're, like you're talking about, like it's, you can be then acutely aware of like how little medicine knows. And Mm -hmm. uh, I like to ask people, like, do you think we know uh, 20% of what there is to know or 80% of what there is to know? And I think uh, a lot of people, especially in our, in our, you know, at our stage of training, we'll probably say 80%, you -hmm. know? And I think a lot of, a lot of attendants will start to, well, like after they've been exposed to so much of like the, 
like the the weirdness of life they'll, they'll like you know maybe you'll start to say 20 mm-hmm. or maybe you'll start to say 80 again i don't mm-hmm. know but it's it's a very interesting question of like how much do we know and what does it mean to be on the edge of what we know yeah and uh and how tough that can be for for people and i mean i also think there's a difference between like generally like what is known like in the world versus like what we know as in like providers within a certain health network mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um because i do think that you know we know a sliver of medicine but i think going through experience like showed me you know like i guess i'm i'm very keen on learning more about like mind body like integration like somatic um psychology which is more um yeah just like kind of mind body integration or you know even like using like dance therapy for psychiatric patients and things like that and so like generally i do think that uh, there's a lot of knowledge out there about the different realms of being and like how that can inform our view of medicine and like well-being mm-hmm. um or sorry medicine and health in general um but i feel like we are only taught a very condensed um, and a sliver, you know, a sliver of a portion of medicine that we can apply within the system that we're in. Um, so I, I guess as a med student, I, I feel like very compelled to always like look outside of the system and mm-hmm. find like other therapies that worked in different places or how other people like structure the, their healthcare systems and things like that, because I feel like you know, what we do is, is great in some ways and also terrible in others. And like, I think it's worth like chipping away to try to see like, um, you know, where we can improve. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can be, uh, that, that's, that's, I resonate very strongly with that. Um, that's sort of what I want to do with my practice as well, but it's also really tough at this early stage to be like, okay, there's so like there, you know, going through residency means four years of like doing what people tell you to do basically. Like, you know, to some degree, you start to develop your own practice, but also mm-hmm. mostly you you have to kind of whatever residency program you're entering, you kind of like that's going to be the kind of uh, uh, physician I'll be for the next four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you and you know, sometimes that's great. Sometimes it's not so great. Like uh, there, there are, you know, there are limitations to what a resident physician can do in a and, you know, in terms of like developing and mm-hmm. pushing out those boundaries. Um so I, I don't know. I just, I'm like, it's, it's a whole lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think that was like why third year was such a struggle because your time is so structured. You're told, you know, when to be there. You're told when you can leave. You're told what to do. And, um, you know, there's very little leeway really for your own creativity to get like inserted in every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that, you know, you can always still connect with patients in your own way and like your individuality like as a student still can shine through like if you really put forth the effort um but yeah I mean I totally agree with that like I I definitely felt that way about third year and luckily you know fourth year is a little bit like less rigorous in that sense um but I'm also you know bracing for that a little bit for those four years of residency when I really am not like doing what I want yet Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah, it's like we've jumped through so many hoops to get here and we have still a few more (laughs) hoops to jump through um, so a, well, let's talk a little bit more about writing. I, I think this, this is just a fun topic mm-hmm. for me. Um, what, uh, what does writing, uh, like, what does your writing practice now look like? Like, uh, how, um, like, what do you do it throughout the week? Do you kind of like pack it into the weekend? Like what, what does it look like? Um, definitely. Like if I haven't written throughout the week, like I make it a point to write on Sundays. That's kind mm-hmm. of like. I don't know why in my mind, but, like, that's all. That's always, like, the very, like, me day. So, like, that's the day I'll, like, pick up a ukulele. Like, that's the day, like, I'll journal if I haven't yet. You know, I'll go for a walk, like, all of Sundays. Kind of, like, really, like, this holy, like... Recharge yeah, time. Yeah, recharge yeah. time, exactly. Um, but I, I mean, I do try to journal, like, at least every other day. Um, mm-hmm. I 
like I'm pretty strict with my journaling in the sense of like I have different journals for different topics. So I have a journal for like my health journey. I have a journal that's just like anything really like random, you know, personal topics or whatever else it might be. Mm -hmm. I have a journal right now that's a little bit more related to like my capstone. So it's more uh, talking about um, advanced care planning and like end of life issues. Um, And then like if I already have a story in my head, like I actually tend to write it on the computer um, mm-hmm. just because I like the, you know, quick process of like editing and stuff like that. And so if I have like a story like that, I can concretely like already can think about like it's, mm-hmm. and it has to come out quickly, like obviously typing it is much faster. Um, so then I'll like, write. But yeah, I really try to journal like at least like every other day. So oh, that's mm-hmm. so cool. And I think it's interesting that you, you spatially separate the journaling experience through different journals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it sounds like a lot of it is done through the hand rather than through the keyboard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Except for, mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying, uh, the occasional story that needs to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I, I, uh, I don't know. Did you grow up typing? Like, are, are you, you're like, a yeah, I'm person. a handwriter. Like, I mean, I remember even thinking back to like the first book reports that we had to do in like um, elementary mm-hmm. school, and middle school, there was always like at that time, the option of like handwriting or typing it. And like, even if it was like 15 pages, like I would handwrite it. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm not really sure why, but I, I guess I really like enjoyed writing. Mm. And then unfortunately, like I actually never took a, a computer course <laughs> um, because it, at our school, it was like you were either in gifted or you were in the computer course, which means that I've like for the past year, I've actually been working on like relearning the proper way to type. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, really trying to like use all my fingers and have them spatially oriented where they should be on the mm. keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an interesting because uh, I grew up gaming. Uh, and so, like, the process of trash-talking people while playing a video game uh, using the keyboard a skill. is a skill. Like, you have to learn how to type well or else you're going to lose the game and you're going to, like, trash-talk poorly. It's like, it's, <laughs> you don't win either way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's I, that's such an interesting thing for me. Like, uh, I can ha- handwrite and I have handwritten journals, but those, to me, I was always, like, so acutely aware of, like, there's a bottleneck and the bottleneck is the uh, is my right mm-hmm. hand. Um and so that's that's very very interesting to me. And uh, like the like in terms of like learning to type, there's th- I'm just gonna throw this out there. There's this keyboard system called Dvorak. Okay. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. So uh, there's you know the the way that our keyboards are currently laid out is a is how is is a direct copy from the typewriters. Mm-hmm. And the way the, the the reason they laid typewriters out the way they did was so that when the the arms hit this the paper they you they would try to separate the most important the, the most frequently used keys mm-hmm. so that you, they you wouldn't get them knocked oh, into each see, other see. Okay. but mm-hmm. that's not really a relevant mm-hmm. problem for keyboards now so mm-hmm. so now people's hands move so much and that's why that's a part of the reason why typing is so difficult for people uh so uh dvorak is a is a method is a reconfiguration of the keys so that the most commonly used keys are at the home level. Oh, so like you, mm-hmm. you have to, it's, it's trying to minimize the, mm-hmm. the amount that you you're using your hands. So it's just, this is interesting thing. Like if you're like, it's just like, I'm like, Oh, that would be so interesting, especially for somebody who hasn't like formally learned very, very much uh, like to, to like kind of like change it and to give them that Dvorak key, yeah. key, mm-hmm. key layout. Um, but it's such an, int- it's cause it's, it's to me, it's such an interesting idea, but I, I understand how difficult it is to implement and also difficult to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just one of those, yeah i mean that'd be interesting to switch a new keyboard but i guess like the problem with that is like if you go to like a library like you're not gonna have that same keyboard kind of thing Mm -hmm. so like it's just been nice that you know 
like that was one of my goals for like kind of end of third year and during fourth year to really work on my typing oh. like for my own personal mm-hmm. like writing but also for like note writing when you're a resident and whatnot oh, yeah. And yeah just to like you know really save on time yeah so. i see uh, attendings that do the, the pecking oh yeah, the yeah. Fingers, I'm, I'm not like, that bad how do you do that like how do you manage like get <laughs> yeah. a scribe like, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's pretty bad it's so funny um and when Sorry. No, no, go for it. Go for it. Um, one thing you kind of just mentioned as well, too, I guess, you know, journaling versus typing. Mm. Um, I also do think that, you know, a reason why I also enjoy journaling is because then it's, like, very focused. Mm. Um, and I know for me, like, I actually have, like, I feel like I have a little bit of a difficult time with technology in the sense of, like, there's so many options for what you can do, like, on a laptop. And, like, so many windows I could have open or so many, like, Wikipedia pages to read Mm. or, like, news articles (laughs) that it just, like, so much and it overwhelms me. Mm -hmm. And so, like, sometimes I'll start writing and then I'll be like, oh, wait, what's, uh, what about Reddit? Like, what's going on in Reddit right now? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that also journaling, like, I literally have, like, pen and paper and it just feels, like, very, like, you know, there's just some... um, sense of like presence I think you know and like I know for me like that's something I struggle with and mm-hmm. so I think that like it's like an like a something I can get into to get into the habit of being present mm-hmm. so do you use like also I'm interested in like the kind of uh, paper and the pen that you use like like do you write in cursive do you use a fountain pen do you use like a, a like a, a a ballpoint pen or do you and like do you use like normal uh, college rule paper like I'm just very curious yeah no, so I have a moleskin journals mm-hmm. and yeah they're like the larger like computer size like sheets I guess um, and I'm actually like really excited because I'm about to finish one which means Ooh. I can get myself a new one mm-hmm. and that's just like <laughs> the best thing when you get a fresh journal um mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Moleskine are, like, my go-to journals. And then I have uh, these, like, stainless steel zebra pens. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like, uh, I guess 0.7 millimeters or something like that. Um, But, yeah, no, they're definitely not, they're not, like, gel or anything like that. Or I don't, like, I I tend to, like, really lay, like, my entire hand down on the paper when I'm writing. And so I hate smearing. (laughs) So it has to be something that, you know, isn't, like, jelly or, like, very inky or anything like that. No. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a big (laughs) no-no. Oh, and and, uh, do you write cursive? Or do you write... No, oh, yeah, uh, no. Yeah, definitely not cursive. I feel like that would be... A whole different beast. Yeah. Mm -mm. It's a whole different beast. Mackenzie writes in cursive. And I'm always just, like, I'm, like, in... Like intimidated by a full page of her handwriting because I'm like, oh boy, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think I've written cursive like since I was eight. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Yeah. That's fair. No. <laughs> okay, so you are a um, dancer, uh, a female, and a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else on that list? Uh, those are kind of like the main things I think that came to mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are good. It's a good list. Uh, so, how do you finish the next prompt before I die? I want. Um. I guess I definitely want to uh, open up to, like, new experiences and people mm-hmm. in general. Um, I feel like I, throughout my life, especially, like, kind of, like, starting in, like, middle school, high school years, going through undergrad, um, I had, like, issues with, like, disordered eating. And I'm sorry, I know this sounds tangential, but I promise it connects. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, but during that time, I felt like I felt so like bad about my body that like mm-hmm. I also had a really difficult time connecting with people mm-hmm. um and so I could always like fake it for a short time but I never like I always had like a you know there was like this dissonance between like what I was projecting to others and what I really felt inside um and so I, I like one of my goals I guess is just to continue to work on being comfortable with like who I am you know both physically and in every other sense Um, and in that way, like, I can also, like, literally open myself up. Like, I do think that dance does that for me a lot. Like, you know, the whole, like, the posture, having your Mm -hmm. shoulders back, not crossing your arms and whatnot. Um, so yeah, just, like, really, I would want to continue to, like, be open to 
yeah, just like new experiences, I think, and just like people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's um. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's something very interesting about like the like the root of uh like of just so much like uh anxiousness and and like sadness is like just not like like in 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 the realm of like uh relationships is that you don't necessarily like yourself to mm-hmm. begin with and that's such a tough place to begin to then start a relationship uh whether it's a friendship or a more intimate relationship and uh there it's it's just like one of those tough struggles and you can and it it's it's I don't want to say it's easy to tell, but it, it, it can be uh, apparent, uh, especially if you're towards the, the either end, mm-hmm. if somebody likes himself or not. You know, like when you're talking with them, yep. uh, you, it can be uh, make itself quite apparent. And it's one of those tough things where it's like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it really sinks because I feel like as soon as I started getting that awareness that like my own discomfort was being sensed by other people. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it also makes other people uncomfortable. You know, like when you see someone who's really nervous, mm-hmm. like you feel like your heart goes out for them and you're like, oh, my gosh, like. And you almost start to get, like, nervous for them. And mm-hmm. so I kind of felt like that was the same with, like, my own, like, issues of, like, kind of feeling, like, down in myself and just, like, not, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I felt like I wasn't, like, present in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, like, mentally and emotionally with people um, because of, like, how I just, like, really felt, like, on the inside. And um, even if someone from the outside, like, physically wouldn't think that there was, like, anything, like, quote, you know, like, wrong with me per se, like, there was just, like, some huge gap between me and other people. And I think that actually, you know, it kind of makes people tend to stay away from you in general mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it can be yeah it's it's almost like uh it's almost like a contagion in that way yeah. like where mm-hmm. it's just like ah oh, wow. yeah yeah and like um yeah and that's yeah yeah that's tough and um what 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 about like how will you be more open and talk to and, and like experience more people and mm-hmm. like how how what would that look like um i mean i i've noticed it, it's just like been silly things i guess actually a lot um through like the process of being in select mm-hmm. um i can't remember i guess it was like the uh these kind of like the feedback sessions that we get where we have like peers and colleagues and supervisors kind of give us feedback on our performance and like mm-hmm. you know what they think about you versus what you think about yourself um and so i do think that a big part of even just like me being approachable for other people um is like changing the way I present myself so mm-hmm. again going back to like the dance thing just even like holding my my shoulders back a little bit more like kind of like literally like literally being open more to people mm-hmm. um and then I've also been told that I tend to like scowl when, <laughs> <laughs> RBF. when I'm when I'm sitting alone or like when I read or something mm-hmm. and I I remember one time a friend took a picture of me like when I was studying I was like oh my gosh like I would never approach that person um mm-hmm. so I know that sounds like silly but like I want to be a little bit more aware of like my body because I I have noticed actually like I had a streak of a few days in the past week where I just had people be like really nice to me and like I don't know um like or come up to me and like just say hello like at a Starbucks like people that I actually didn't even know or anything like that mm-hmm. um so it, it was just funny because I felt like I had been feeling like better because I had been consistently going to dance recently mm-hmm. um so I just do think like that you you know with your body you actually project a type of like energy and some approachability so I feel like that like it's kind of the first step and um, I think the second one is also just like saying no less, um, <laughs> mm. because I, I definitely tend to be a, you know, pretty like introverted person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the lack of predictability or lack of control, like 
terrifies me sometimes. Um, and so by saying yes to, you know, spending time with people they don't know that well or going on an adventure, like, where you're not sure, like, what exactly it's going to be like, mm-hmm. it, you know, you're putting some trust into other people mm-hmm. and you're also, you're just, like, letting the reins go. Um, and so I definitely think a big part of it is just, like, being like, yeah, like, let's just try something different and whatever comes of it comes of it and, like, you extract you know, good things out of every experience, no matter, like, what what actually ended up happening. Mm. Yeah, and those unanticipated uh, experiences are usually the ones where you'll learn something brand new, mm-hmm. versus uh, the experience uh, experiences are, you kind of already know what you're going to get out of it. Exactly, yeah. So it's just, like, you know, trying to make sure that I actively challenge myself to be like, yeah, like, I haven't done this before, let's try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what else do you want before you die? Um, definitely to take my, uh, partner hiking and camping many, many, many times before we die. <laughs> uh, what is it about hiking and camping? Um, I think, uh, so I guess just to preface, I mean, we're, we're both like very different people, I think. And it, it was funny because I was spending time with his family last week, um, and his mom and his sister burst out laughing when I told them that I was going to take him biking with me mm-hmm. um, when he visits in a few months. And they, you know, kind of told me how when he, even when he was a little kid, they took him uh, to Hawaii and he tripped over rocks because he really, he literally was walking on the beach and reading. Um, and so he's, you know, he's just never been like drawn to nature in the same way that I've been mm-hmm. brought up. And um, like I, when I, all my family vacations growing up, like we would always camp. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like we maybe like stayed at like a motel eight to like freshen up every few days kind of thing. But I was just very like used to kind of, um, I don't know, like, like, you know, even if it was like car camping, just kind of like a little bit more of like the, the grunge that comes with like (laughs) camping and Mm -hmm. like eating spam or ramen noodles or whatever else it was. And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, I think there's just something about, um, and I also do feel like obviously like because nature is so like immense like I'm never going to see everything and every time in nature is like totally different because of like different weather different like geographic location um just like you know unexpected turn of events or whatever it is Mm -hmm. um so I feel like both those things like hiking camping would be challenging for me and it would also like help to bring someone out of the comfort zone Mm -hmm. um but I mean also bring me out of my comfort zone because like obviously I I feel like I can tend I tend to kind of settle into this like really cush comfortable life where I have like a car where I have like a really you know a grand apartment and all that um so yeah no I just think like a big part of that is just really like putting yourself out there and just trying something different Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I think that grunge that you're talking about is a really important uh experience just to regularly have of just like what uh what is the actual spectrum of experience that is uh, possible like um if if you don't get the grunge every once in a while, you can start to narrow this the spectrum of your experiences and think that that is a broad experience mm-hmm. um, versus uh, being like fasting every once in a while to not eat or uh, experiencing mm-hmm. the cold to know what does it mean to feel cold. Yeah, uh, and and I think those are those is just important to like kind of rejigger yourself and to uh, reset your experience and like what your set point mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I, I really like that way of thinking about it. Like. It, it just, I feel like it's really, like, sometimes in the moment, it's uncomfortable to feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but most of the time when you're done with it, you're like, wow, like, that was really great to, like, feel, yeah, just to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like, I think that's really important for, like, stretching, like, your boundaries and, you know, mm-hmm. keeping, like, working on yourself and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
And that's something that uh, myself, I'm like, oh, I wish I could do it more just because, you know, during third year or mm-hmm. so, it's just not your time. And so I just feel like I've, it's just, that's something that I really want to do, but it's tough to actually, it's a, it's a great idea, but it's tough to implement a mm-hmm. lot, you know? Yeah. Um, so what else do you want? Uh, you want to go hiking, camping with your partner? You want uh, to be more open to experiences? Um, I guess definitely like getting to know family members more. Mm-hmm. Um and not, you know, not getting to know them as family, but getting to know them as, like, the individuals they are. Mm-hmm. So I think that just, like, for example, growing up, you know, with, like, mom, dad, and a brother, you all have, like, different roles in the family. Like, there's almost, like, a set way in which, yeah, in which I think a mother-daughter is supposed to interact, like a, you know, father-daughter and, like, a sister-brother kind of thing. Um, and as I'm getting older, like, I feel like all those roles are starting to, like, fade away just because, like, you know, we're, we don't live in, like, a family unit anymore. Like, we live in different states and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it just, I want to get to know my family, like, get to know them really personally, like, on an individual level, like, what they love to do, like, what makes them happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, you know, not only in relation to me, but just, like, in relation to themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, because there's so much growth and like, uh, like there's so much growth and change that happens when you leave each other. Like, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you you can be totally unaware of that. And uh, I know that I've been caught off guard by like my brother and my sister, just the way that they've just been become their own persons. Yeah. And uh, it's mm-hmm. it can be uh, if you don't keep track of that, you can really lose it. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For uh, yeah. So I can get that. Yeah. And uh, so far, it sounds like a lot of these things are things that you won't, uh, that are just kind of like, let's just keep doing it. Like, you're, you're never going to, it doesn't sound like there's enough experiences to, like, you're like, okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Or or you're, you're never going to, like, go hiking, camping enough. Or, like, you're never going to know your family well enough. Right, right yeah. yeah. You know, they're just like, let's just keep doing mm-hmm. these good things. Right? Is is there any, are, is there a level of, like, a binary experience where, like, boop, I've done it and I'm good on that? Um, I mean, I do think that maybe, like, self-challenges in in terms of, like, I don't know, like, hiking in the Himalayas or, Mm, or, um, even just, like, more personal goals in terms of, uh, like, dance, like, I I would really like to perform, like, in the next couple of years. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely, like, you know, something I'd like to do, but I guess it just seems, like, so far off that, I don't know, maybe I'm, like, (laughs) non-committal, but I guess, you know, like, those big goals can seem, like, far away when, like, I, I feel like I... I'm not sure that the opportunity, like, has coincided with, like, my level of experience yet. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, I like, there are some bigger goals out there in terms... Yeah, I think hiking in the Himalayas is definitely, like, one of them. Um, you know, I don't think I'll ever uh, climb, like, K2 or Everest or something. <laughs> but, but you know, just even, like, working on uh, getting to, like, base camp. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you want... Uh, how do you finish the prompt, when I die, I want? Um, I think when I die, I want to feel at peace. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I, like, I know I'm a very, uh, like emotional person and I feel like no matter what the circumstances are, like whether it's like sudden or drawn out or like young, old, whatever circumstance, like I just want to be okay with what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also, I mean, I just think the whole dying process is, like, a huge time for transformation, for growth, like, for reconnection with family, friends, with, I don't know, kind of, like, closing the loop, like, having closure for yourself and for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel that uh, any sense of, like, agitation or uneasiness about my own death would, like, linger. 
Mm-hmm. Um, even when I'm like physically gone, like I just think that I, I would never want to like leave this place and move on to something different, you know, with any sense of like anger or bitterness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're like those expected deaths are like you know where somebody's health is declining over a period of time mm-hmm. is like such a lovely crisis period where it's just like all right, the talk tick is you know the clock is ticking yeah. and now it's time to address some things. Um, and, uh, being able to, uh, you know, close loops, like you're saying is a, uh, it, it can be, um, a really lovely thing to see. Yeah. And, and I also think, you know, even if I don't get, I guess, you know, lucky enough to have a drawn out death, I don't know if I'd be lucky, but <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty terrible. But, um, but I mean, if I do have like a death that's sudden, I also, and like, you know, for example, if it's like knock on wood on like an unfortunate, unfortunate circumstance, um, I guess, you know, a few days ago, I actually maybe in leading up to this, uh, to this talk, I thought like, you know, what would I want to be doing now that when I die, like I would be okay with dying, even if it was like next week or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think by kind of keeping that in my mind, like I really want to consistently do the things I love so that whenever that time comes like I'll be like it's fine like I really maximized my time and I truly did what made you know what made me passionate what made me come alive and like what I, whenever death is like it'll be okay because I've done the things I wanted to do mm-hmm. yeah and that that is a lovely check-in that's a lovely that's a really really cool practice mm-hmm. um and it had that changed the direction of some of the things that you've been doing yeah, I mean, I definitely think that was, like, a recommitment to a little bit more, you know, to, like, the dancing, the writing, um, because I feel like it kind of waxes and wanes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when I mentioned, like, I journal, like, every other day, like, yeah, I've been journaling every other day for the past two months, but before that, like, it was kind of like, oh, like, maybe once a week, maybe once every three weeks or something. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's definitely a constant process. It's, you know, it's still, I can't say it's, like, habit for me to you know, always go to dance or to always write. But I feel Mm -hmm. like if I keep that question in my mind, I'm kind of like, yeah, like I want to do this because it makes me, you know, who I am and makes me happy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a, yeah, that, that is a very cool thing to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want to be at peace. Uh, Do you know, do you want to be, um, do you know what you would want it to look like or feel like? Um, I guess, Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I mean, I still think the word that comes to mind is like, you know, some sense of calm or just like, mm-hmm. pe- you know, I would want it to be peaceful. Um, and I feel like that can be like, even if it, you know, if people die in like tragic deaths or whatever else, like in a car accident, for example, like I still think that in your mind, like you can still find peace, like no matter what the circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just want it to feel, I want it to feel okay. Like, I want it to feel like a very good, like, you know, relief. And I want it to feel like letting go. Um, Are there, yeah. have there been deaths that you uh, want, that that really influence that feeling? Like, or that make you want, like, or I guess, like, have you seen or or known of deaths that are um, very not peaceful? Um, or, or the person what seemed to not experience peace um, such that their the, those feelings lingered on afterwards. Like, is that sort of what you're modeling enough of, or is it a um, just like what you want for yourself? Uh, yeah, no, I can't say I have. I've had like any, you know, like deaths like in my. I mean, I've had like distant like family, rel- you know, like relatives pass away. Um, but no, it hasn't been any particular death or anything like that. It's just kind of like my own feeling and my own understanding of myself and like 
Um, I just know that I don't like feeling bitter. Like, I don't like feeling agitated or angry. And, mm. like, if that was, like, what the end was like, like, I just, I can't accept that. Mm. Like, you know, I don't want there to be, like, any sense of, like, fighting at the end. I, I just feel like, um, yeah, there's just too much of this, I don't know, kind of, like, oppositional like, force, and, like, I just don't want that me against, like, something inevitable. Like, I just don't mm. want that to to happen because I feel like, yeah, I just, like, I couldn't bear to leave in a state of bitterness. Yeah, and that kind of, like, ah. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Okay, okay. Um, do you, uh, like, I guess, like, are are there deaths that have, so, so you have had, like, relatives that have passed, um, do you, do you, is there, have there been deaths that have affected you? Um, yeah, I mean, I had a, like, an acquaintance, uh, that actually, he had gone to middle school with me in high school, um, and then in college, like, we saw each other intermittently, mm-hmm. um, and he passed away from cancer a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, I, I think, again, like, that kind of brings that question to mind, like, are you doing every day what you would be doing, given that, you know, for example, if you were to die next week? Um, so, so I just think that it definitely, his death made me feel also like very vulnerable, Mm -hmm. um, in the sense of like, it really can happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, generally, like, I do think it's really difficult to think about your own mortality when you feel healthy, like when, you know, when nothing is really like going wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. but I also do think that my health issues actually like, in a sense, um, made me question or, like, think about a little bit my mortality. Mm-hmm. Um, just because at one point I was having, like, neurological symptoms and I was concerned that it was, like, you know, like, a really bad diagnosis or something. And I remember that first day, like, when I thought it might be that, um, I ended up, like, I came home from, a, like, my, a third-year lecture and I went biking and then, like, later that night I went for a hike and then the next day I went to the Jersey Shore and went swimming <laughs> and I was, like, I felt like I just was, like, scrambling to, like, take in as much life as I could and, like, to, you know, use my body. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in a sense, you know, like, if my physicality was taken away, like, that would be, in some sense, like, you know, a a sliver of mortality. Like, even if my body's not totally gone, its use, obviously, like, is a big part of my living. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it gives you that, like, fire to be like, okay, we got to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is important. Um, And that is, and and that's, um, and those, like, little... uh, brief like uh brushes with with death or or even uh disability uh can be so valuable in that it's just like oh wow i gotta remember that this is all great like Mm -hmm. everything like what we have what i have now is pretty great and if i lose it um i will really kick myself or maybe i won't be able to kick myself but uh (laughs) i will be very upset with myself for Mm -hmm. not taking full advantage of it yeah and that's, and that's, you know, that's the tough thing about being in, in the clinic sometimes is you can see like how much that really, uh, affects people, mm-hmm. like not being able to have that like last swim or that last hike, um, yeah. like, you know, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I definitely think that, you know, maybe like my health issues, like were actually the thing that put, um, my mortality, like most in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because like at that time I started to question like, uh, you know, like what is really important to me? Like who am I? And I just wanted to make sure that I was doing what I really wanted to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want? Uh, how do you finish the prompt after I die? I want after I die. I want, um, I guess, um, to go off of what I said about myself, like being peaceful at death. Like I would want the people who loved me who are left behind um, that's such a weird term left behind, but who are still living, um, to feel also at peace. Mm -hmm. 
the same way in which, like, I wouldn't want to leave any bitterness with, like, you know, between me and life or me and death or whatever else. Like, I don't want there to be any bitterness or anger on the part of, like, my family or loved ones. Um, yeah, I, I just wouldn't. I know even, you know, like, a lifetime between two people or in a family is not enough time to, like, resolve everything or to mm -hmm. have... You, you're never going to have enough time. Um, but I guess I just feel like I want it to be okay that I'm not there anymore. So mm -hmm. I, I just don't want them to have any, you know, grief over it. And, like, how, how will you get to that point where when you're gone, it, things are, um, you know, they'll, they'll process their grief, but they'll move on from it? Like, is there, do you know of, uh, like, like, other than, uh, like, you know, before you die, uh, checking with your family and mm -hmm. really connecting with who they are? Like, how will you get to that point in those relationships, you know? I mean, I, I do think that I... Um, just want to explore like the relationships I have on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, taking away like the superficial, like small talk. I mean, obviously that's, you know, that's normal. Like that's a part of life. But, um, I think, you know, just going back to like what I had mentioned about the family, like getting to know people as individuals, like getting to know like who they really are. Um, and as I said, like, you know, you're never going to feel like you have enough time, but I think like the more that you can, um, kind of like help, for example, like a partner or like a family member, like resolved in their lives, like if there's any like lingering, you know, issue with you and them, um, like anything you can do to chip away at that or even just like the actual like attention and time that you put into like a relationship um, like that in and, of, in and of itself, like kind of helps provide the peace because it it um, maybe like might minimize the regret of like, oh, I should have done this or mm -hmm. I should have spent more time. Um, I wish we had talked about this, you know, and so I'm hoping that like by actually having, you know, deep intimate like relationships in the sense of like yeah i don't know just like being unabashedly like vulnerable and like honest with people mm -hmm. um i hope that there won't be like that lingering doubt or regret mm -hmm. and that can be that's a great uh that's a great uh sentiment the the being unabashedly vulnerable because mm -hmm. it can be really tough and uh uh really you can feel really like out there and uh being but that will attract it in other people to mm -hmm. then experience it as well yeah yeah i hope so uh what else do you want after you die um i mean i guess i've always felt like um when i die i hope to become like one with everything or um i, I guess i just have this belief that in the same way that you know like energy is not created nor destroyed that in a sense, like I have some vitality or some spirit within me, energy, whatever you want to call it, that I, I think is, you know, is different than just my body, than the material. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, I, I hope it like goes on and I hope it. I don't know, maybe I'll be uh, like buried under a, a pine tree or something and <laughs> worms will eat me or whatever else. Like, but yeah, I don't know. I just kind of want to. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't know I, I'm not really actually I haven't really thought about like a burial or anything like that but I guess I just want to want my energy to like go on and go on in some way mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. whether you know what, I, like I don't think it'll be like tangible by other people or anything like that in that sense like that it's like oh that's Alex like floating around but um but I guess you know just like whatever like is whatever makes up my spirit or my soul whatever it is like I just wanted to go back and to whatever like the pool is yeah, yeah. exactly the, the pool yeah the divine truth maybe yeah mm -hmm. um do you do you have any idea what that would like ha like have you had any experience that can like help you to understand what that would feel like or what it would uh, be like uh, um i mean 
I guess, you know, the closest thing I feel like I've come to being, like, the most present, um, because I do think, I guess, like, this divine truth for me is, like, just some, like, overflowing of being. Mm. Um, there's this really great poet, Rainer Maria Rilke, and he, a lot of his poems are, like, very, like, mystical, and he has a passage in one of his poems about how um, everything around us is, like, always tempting us, like, even, like, the little bird is just, like, get, trying to get your attention, and the only thing that is not trying to grab your attention is, like, the one or the being or, like, this higher something. Um, and so I guess I... And he describes it as, like, an ov- overflow of being. Um, and so I guess the closest I've come to, like, almost feeling, like, that very strong presence was when I, like, in the past have done, um, like, crystal bowl meditation a few times. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that sound was just, like, so intense and immersive. Like, there was no room to, like... Yeah, else. and experience anything else. Like it was just like a laser focus, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I really do think like that experience. I was like, wow, like this is what it means to be like literally like you are, just I don't know. It just like felt like a like a pinpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that like that's the closest experience I've ever had to, like really like the pinnacle of like being present. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The sound is a. Uh especially when it's of a specific frequency is like that's there's weird stuff like mm-hmm. and we and we humans are getting to points where we can like really play with it um in terms of like binaural beats like having like mm-hmm. w- like a, it's just like there's there's weird uh sound is weird and it can do weird things to you and it's very cool like yeah. you know it, separate from music even just like a like an a tone like an a rhythmic sound mm-hmm. can be really just like really entrancing and uh, uh i've experienced that with with singing bowls mm-hmm. um and they're very weird i don't know what it is but like w- there can be a point where i'm get like lost in there and it's a it, i i kind of understand what yeah about. it's just such a funny feeling and like i guess it was um yeah i just like i left that feeling like wow like that that is what it means to be present um mm-hmm. and i think you know like a lot of like i guess like in in life i would love to like be present um to people and I feel like that you know that's encompassed by like you know being open to other people and experiences and whatnot um and in death like I hope that I become one with with the being that is like I don't think Mm -hmm. it's like you know human or something but but whatever whatever's out there but it's there it's yeah, like it's it weird yeah. <laughs> um and are you uh optimistic or pessimistic about the future Oh, optimistic for sure. For sure, yeah, like yeah. there's like how why why is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe. Um, I guess I just feel. I, I mean, I remember when I was younger, I used to have like this graph in my head of what it w- would be like to grow old. Mm-hmm. and I you know there's like this exponential growth like when you're young and you're going through your high school and undergrad years and then like I felt like you know once I hit like 26 like I'll be an adult like I'll be settled like it like plateaus off from there like that's kind of it mm-hmm. um and I guess it's just funny because when I was a kid like I had such a difficult time imagining honestly like what it would like feel like for me to live you know, to experience life, like, after the age of 26 or 27. Mm-hmm. And so now with each, like, you know, week and month and year, I'm like, wow, like, I'm learning so many new things. Like, I'm trying new things. I'm meeting new people. Like, I'm in a place that I never thought I'd be. Um, and I don't know. It just, like, never ceases to surprise me, like, just how many, how much, like, goodness I've, like, come up, come into. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, yeah, just, like, really grateful for the people who are in my life and kind of, like, blows me away. Like, when I really think about it, I'm like, wow, like, you know, when I step back and 
think about like the people I'm like really closest to and my family I'm just like wow like I I you know have it made like I, I got really lucky <laughs> mm-hmm. um so yeah I don't know and I feel like with that awareness like I can I hope I hope that I can um like channel like whatever goodness that I I like receive so much from other people and try to like disperse it among others as well mm-hmm. like pay it forward yeah way. yeah mm-hmm. oh I am uh I'm like, I get a very lovely sense from you of like, of that optimism. And it's like, like, like life is great. And I'm excited for the next couple (laughs) of years. Like, it's just, it's a very cool thing. Cause it's, uh, um, at my point in training, I'm just like very like, Oh gosh, the next week's the next like 24 weeks are going to be rough and Mm -hmm. like all that. Uh, but it's, this is a, this conversation is a lovely reminder that things are all right. And it's a matter of, of like, not, not necessarily just perspective, but also just like of, of, of these practices that you, uh, in, you put yourself through and that you are appreciative of after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really glad that, uh, that we've sat down and talked and this is really lovely. And so I want to give you uh, the last few minutes, last few moments to address the audience directly, uh, whoever they might be. Maybe it is a 70 year old Alex or a, um, another student or another, like, you know, somebody just that identifies with what you're going through mm-hmm. and, uh, wants to hear what you have to say to them. Yeah. Um, I guess just like drawing, from my own experiences in the past couple of years, I'd probably say um, just to stop and think about your life and what I, I, the question, I guess for me was, you know, like in what moment in time were you like in a flow state mm-hmm. um, and where, you know, where did you not even think about time and like whatever that thing was, like make sure you hold on to it because like that is just a true, like honest expression of who you are and no one else can replicate that. Um and yeah, no, just like really holding on to the things that you're passionate about. Um, I feel like sometimes we can come into a world that is broken up into categories, into stereotypes, into like this rigidness. Um, but I feel like if you really just follow like whatever, you know, I, I know this sounds like so corny, just but like really truly follow what you feel and like what you think is good for you. Like, I, I really do think that you'll get to where you want to be. Um, so yeah, just don't ever like, don't ever lose yourself. Yeah. Good words. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for this. This has been a real pleasure. Um, and, uh, this has been Alex Baswitz on death. Thank you. (laughs)